You're listening to Humanity's Human, a podcast where I talk about whatever I want. And today that means TikTok. Now, to be honest with you, I wrote this episode over four months ago, so I apologize for any outdated references. However, the deeper issues that we're going to look at are still very important and relevant, so let's get into it. TikTok, known as in China, is a social networking platform which offers an avenue for people to share short music, lip sync, dance and comedy videos up to one minute long. Its Chinese developer ByteDance previously purchased the social networking platform Musical.ly and combined it with TikTok to create the multi-billion dollar platform it is today. Created in 2018, TikTok soon became the fastest growing social media app in existence. Since it was put on the market, the app has accumulated over 800 million users and has been downloaded over 2 billion times on the App Store and Google Play. It features a bottomless feed which allows users to get lost in scrolling through the ever-personalised For You page. TikTok's content is unique in that it is highly visual and short, and so creators only have a few seconds to catch the audience's attention before they scroll to something better. Originally, content on TikTok involved primarily lip-syncing, dancing, and other frankly boring subjects, but more recently the app has become more categorical and includes these different sides, such as LGBTQ content, cooking tutorials, and even specialised witch content. The way these niche topics can be accessed by users is primarily through recommendation from the app itself through the For You page. This page uses an algorithm to categorize users and recommend more targeted content that they would be interested in based upon what they've interacted positively with in the past. When a person first signs up to TikTok, they will be asked to choose interest categories such as travel or home decor. And this creates a basic feed that can be then honed with more interaction. Users have the option to like, share, or even express disinterest in videos all interactions which affect how their feed looks. One of the strongest indicators of interest is whether a user finishes watching a video from start to finish, and this adds greater weight to recommendation than other factors like geolocation. This makes a lot of sense, since the app has basically shaved down my attention span to 0.4 seconds. So if I'm watching a video that is one minute long and I'm watching it from the beginning to the end, then I must be extremely interested. Videos are then ranked to determine the likelihood of a user's interest in a piece of content, which means that as you scroll, the videos become less and less targeted, but that also matters less because you're already lost in the algorithm and so you will continue scrolling either way. Therefore, unless a video contains specific content that the app thinks you'll be interested in, it is likely that it will never appear at the top of your For You page. This is a really good indicator as to why infamous misogynist Russell Hartley's original content has never appeared on my page, but plenty of people roasting him have. The result is an organised and categorised online space, with many communities existing but rarely overlapping with each other unless they are, for example, directly opposed. What this means is that feminist content is likely to overlap with misogynist content because both communities will comment on each other's posts and, you know, reply to each other and interact, etc. Communities can also overlap if the algorithm hasn't recognised any discernible difference between them, which can explain why most alternative and country aesthetics just fall under the same umbrella. 
One especially unique feature of TikTok is the extreme potential for any video to go viral. The creation of the app has recently given rise to a new brand of celebrity. <clears throat> TikTok stars. I cannot believe that's a real thing. This refers to people who make a living off creating viral content on TikTok, often receiving sponsorship due to their large fan bases. That is, enough sponsorship to make the hype house God's mistake. This is due to a number of reasons. Firstly, the nature and design of the app ensures that users are able to view as many videos as possible in a short amount of time. Hashtags are a feature which makes content easy to search and disseminate. If a creator tags their video as vegan cooking, it is likely to appear in the For You pages of people who the algorithm has decided are vegan or interested in veganism or hate the vegan teacher. If the initial users that receive the video respond positively by liking or sharing, then it will be shared to other accounts, which is why people ask you to interact with their videos in order to help them earn money or followers or status or anything else. If the initial accounts that the video is shown to respond positively, then it will be shown to more accounts and more accounts and more accounts. Now, of course, the actual app TikTok cannot tell the difference between positive and negative interactions. So if I comment on a post, it's considered positive. If I share a post with someone because I think that it is stupid, the app will still assume that I, me sharing that post is a good thing and therefore it will show it to more and more users. So in that way, people can become famous even if they are widely despised by their audience. Eventually, a video can amass hundreds of thousands of likes in this way. The rapid spreading of ideas and information allows for users to jump on and off trends and presents different business opportunities. TikTok music, for example, is quickly becoming its very own genre. This refers to songs that are used in the background of TikTok videos, perhaps for challenges or trends. The song Stunning by Curtis Waters is already going out of date as I'm writing this essay, so who knows where it is by the time I'm recording the podcast. But at the height of its fame, it gained great popularity because of its repeated use in fashion transition videos. Thanks to TikTok, Curtis Waters has almost 10 million monthly listeners on Spotify, and his hit song Stunning has almost 70 million streams. Spotify, although unaffiliated with TikTok, has its own TikTok music playlist, which is full of songs that have made it to the viral hall of fame on the app. And this just goes to show how TikTok is changing the way that we consume music and is changing the type of music that is deemed popular. Because in order for a song to go viral on TikTok, it has uh, to be, you know, repetitive and have a strong beat, a strong baseline, and other features that make it popular and easy to turn into a trend. So musicians are now realizing that these features are what makes a song go viral on TikTok, and therefore we're seeing more and more music that has these features. Musicians are therefore quickly realizing that TikTok fame for their music is extremely possible and lucrative. And thus, the app has seen a recent influx of small singers and songwriters trying to promote their content. This notion of TikTok fame as a marketing strategy has not gone amiss amongst massive companies who have also attempted to promote their brands on the app with varying success. The NBA embraced TikTok early in the, the game, get it? the game, because basketball. 
Um, explaining why it has over 10 million followers and nearly 200 million likes. Other brands like Gymshark, MAC Cosmetics, Chipotle and Crocs have also made a name for themselves with a younger audience. TikTok has also found a new function in political mobilization. There are no criteria to become a content creator, so the app has a wide range of political views represented, from feminism to fascism. Generation Z and Millennials have finally found a way to express their political views without criticism from adults because their content is unlikely to reach Boomer for you pages and old people are unlikely to have the app in the first place. Not only this, but the viral nature of content allows for political views to spread quickly. Similar to the quote-unquote sides of TikTok, left-wing political views tend to align with certain interests and demographics like LGBTQ content, because if someone has an interest in LGBT content, it's likely that they will also hold left-wing political views because they believe they deserve rights. And then of course, on the other hand, right-wing views would tend to align with like an older demographic and people who are interested in like um, guns and stuff. In this way, Users who are interested in left-leaning content or TikTokers categorized into a left-leaning demographic are likely to have left-wing content promoted to them, thus strengthening their political views. For example, if I look at vegan recipes, I am likely to have animal rights content promoted to me as well. I'd just like to slip in a quick apology here. I wrote this before I knew the vegan teacher existed, so I thought that veganism would be a very cool and, you know, neutral example to use. And uh, it's definitely shown itself to not be that as of recent. Anyway, moving right along. So if I look at vegan recipes, I'm likely to have animal rights content or weird old ladies promoted to me as well. If I look at gun customization content, I'm likely to have right-wing content promoted to me because those interests kind of align. Young people have also realized the potential of the app to bring together and mobilize political movements. For example, US President Donald held a rally in Tulsa in mid-2020, but it turned out to be a massive fail. Hundreds of teenage TikTok users and K-pop fans claim at least partial responsibility. Prior to the rally on 11th June 2020, at Team Trump posted a tweet asking supporters to register for free tickets using their phones. TikTok users and fans of K-pop claim to have shared this information with their followers, and as we know, on TikTok information spreads really, really quickly. So they spread this information and they registered potentially hundreds of thousands of tickets for Donald's campaign rally as a prank, and then they didn't show up. So before the event, it was noted that there were more than a million ticket requests, but at the actual event, we all saw images and videos of a half-empty stadium. The real kicker is that as a result of all of these ticket requests, the campaign cancelled other planned rallies and publicity ventures, believing that this one would be enough. Sucks for you, Donald. This event demonstrates the power of TikTok and other social media to mobilize young people and promote direct democracy without even having to step outside. After his humiliation at the Tulsa rally, Donald threatened a TikTok ban in America. In response, its users banded together again, this time in an effort to bring down Donald's 2020 campaign app with negative reviews. In a single day alone, 700 one-star reviews were left on the Donald 2020 app. 
Although Apple does not review apps based upon their popularity, this is still another way that young people are making their voices heard. Regarding the TikTok ban, there is still a lot of speculation regarding whether Donald had a genuine concern for American data privacy, was just scared of communism, or was angry that even though Americans make up a large amount of the usership for TikTok, the profits still go to a Chinese company. But we'll get into that later. In the meantime, TikTok is not all good news. The app has been accused of racism, ableism, and classism as of early 2020, with their policy documents being obtained and distributed. These papers instructed moderators to suppress content created by users that were too ugly, poor, or disabled for the platform, and also told them to censor political speech in TikTok live streams, thus punishing those who harmed quote-unquote national honor or broadcasted streams about, quote, state organs such as the police, unquote. These previously unreported Chinese policy documents provide new details about the company's efforts to enforce rigid constraints upon its massive usership, even though it still attempts to bolster its image as a global paragon of self-expression where you can discuss whatever you want and be who you want to be and all the rest of it. On TikTok, live-streamed military movements and natural disasters are deemed to, respectively, defame civil servants and threaten national security, and are therefore suppressed alongside videos showing rural poverty and slums. One document goes so far as to instruct moderators to scan uploads for cracked walls and quote-unquote disreputable decorations in people's homes, thus punishing poor or disadvantaged users by narrowing their audiences. TikTok spokesperson Josh Gartner told The Intercept that, quote unquote, most of the guidelines are no longer in place, but would not provide specifics, which sounds pretty dodgy to me. It's starting to make sense why we all think that TikTok users are hot. Everyone else is just being swept aside. Furthermore, TikTok is accused of posing a serious security threat to its users via data harvesting. Professor Haskell Dowland, D Doland, Professor Haskell, D-O-W-L-A-N-D, Associate Dean for Computing and Security at Edith Cohen University, says the volume of content collected, indexed, and processed by TikTok separates it from other services and potentially opens the door to new kinds of threats for users. TikTok has come under increased scrutiny from politicians and users alike over the data it collects, including when a recent iPhone update exposed it, surveying texts that users had copied to their clipboards. The company since promised to cease the practice, but if TikTok only stops its invasive behavior when it's caught, then that's not very comforting whatsoever. The company says that it uses the data to improve and personalize the service, which explains why the For You page can get disturbingly accurate over time. But Haskell Dowland posits the possibility that the content on the platform is being manipulated to make deepfakes, and also heaps and heaps of money. A government with access to the video data could also use it to build a facial identification database and produce a list of TikTok users and their real identities from, let's say, protest footage. That doesn't sound very good. TikTok collects data when someone makes an account, including their username, age, email, phone number, photo, or any other biographical information they include. 
If they log in with Google, Facebook or another service, TikTok will receive profile information from them as well. It uses cookies and beacons planted on users' smartphones to receive data on the other apps they use, websites they visit or purchases they make, as well as periodically collecting location data if permission is given. By synthesizing all of this information, TikTok can infer a lot about people that hasn't been expressly volunteered and could potentially track them across devices and accounts. This collected data is key to TikTok's operation. Here's a quote. They're obviously a business and they're there to make money, yet they're not charging for the app or a subscription fee. So clearly there has to be a business model behind it. And the only other thing they've got is data in significant volumes, Haskell Dowland. And as I'm sure we've all heard from the social dilemma, if you're not paying for a product, then you are the product. Considering that data recently surpassed oil in value, making it the most valuable and expensive resource in the entire world, TikTok is definitely raking in the cash. Now, TikTok has two separate versions, one for China called thank you, and one for the rest of the world. ByteDance appears to have made painstaking effort to keep the operation separate. Researchers have found that TikTok collects an excessive amount of user data, as we've already discussed, but politicians take this one step further and suggest that the app is sending this information to the Chinese government and therefore should be banned. The accusations and scrutiny come amid a notable rise in general anti-Chinese, anti-communism sentiment, not to mention the rampant racism in association with the coronavirus. This would not be the first time the Australian government has exercised caution in relation to Chinese technology, having previously sanctioned the telecommunications company Huawei. Security expert Troy Hunt, creator of Have I Been Owned, says that concerns surrounding TikTok comes from a place of Western superiority. Quote, let's face it, there's concern because it's Chinese. Look how invasive Facebook is. No one is talking about banning that app from stores in the Western parts of the world. Unquote. TikTok's data harvesting may be quite legitimate and enabled by privacy policies, but it is not presented in a way that is user-friendly or understandable for the average person. The rise in popularity of calls for a TikTok ban in Western countries may come from less benevolent intentions. There are speculations that Donald intends to ban the app because he is concerned it generates so much left-wing content that it may affect the upcoming election in November. To my, like, 2 or 3% American listeners, make sure you vote. Donald has also delayed the election altogether and raised postage fees so that mail-in ballots are less accessible to poorer demographics, thus strengthening the idea that he is looking to skew the election in his favour through more than just his campaign and, as we've all seen, wonderful debating skills. Australia, as a US ally, often feels inclined to agree with them on most issues, but a conflict between China and America is a geopolitical nightmare because they are our two greatest allies. The reasoning that Donald has presented as his actual cause for wanting to ban TikTok is more along the lines of a concern for American data privacy. He thinks that China is sending American data to be manipulated by the Chinese government for all manner of insidious purposes, which very well may be part of his reasoning. I just didn't know he had the ability to reason.
TikTok has fundamentally challenged and changed the traditional forms of both regular and social media. In the 2020s, anyone can be a journalist. You simply need a platform where you can share an opinion. Social media like Twitter, Facebook and Instagram provided the beginning of this, but TikTok, due to any video's ability to go absolutely viral, is the main enabler. On Instagram, Facebook and Twitter, you need to amass a following over time. Any video can reach millions of strangers with minimal effort being made to acquire an audience or follow account. On Instagram, Twitter and YouTube, for example, you already need to have a number of subscribers or followers in order to be able to share information with them. But on TikTok, all you need is a couple of hashtags and you can reach half the planet. Journalism is either a dying profession or one in dire need of rapid evolution because an increasing number of citizens get their main news fix directly from social media, not from newspapers. TikTok is especially polarizing because of its ability to disseminate certain information at rapid speeds and target viewers who will swallow it without question, thanks to the algorithm. The rise of TikTok has given the opportunity for millions of people to share news stories, political opinions, and sway the public to believe certain things. This is scary because everyday citizens have taken the power to inform into their own hands. And with massive followings, the ability to say whatever they want to potentially of millions of people who trust them. This brings up a lot of questions. Do people with large followings have a moral duty to tell the truth? They certainly don't have a legal one. Journalists are bound by ethical and legal codes, whereas social media users are just people. But with most of the world checking social media for their news, it empowers these regular people and puts them in a position of authority, whether they know it or not. We're meant to live in the most informed era in history, but it seems that misinformation is just as popular. At the risk of an anticlimax, that's all for today. I hope you learned something. I know I definitely did. I'd love to hear your feedback. And now that this is available on Apple Podcasts, you can leave me a five-star review and keep the ones just to yourself. In the meantime, feel free to direct message me on Instagram where my username is christelle.com.au and also probably where you found this podcast in the first place. Until next time, this has been Humanities Human.